Welcome to Pink Door Culture Club, your eclectic entertainment guide. My name is Jeremiah Burns, and this week we're tuning into a very small concert from a very big band. Uh, the band is typically listed in the top 25 to 50 most successful bands of all time, and they currently sit at number 17 in the world in terms of most monthly listeners on Spotify. We're talking about Coldplay, but the concert we're listening to is very different to their normal fare, and you'll hear why in a moment. So it doesn't matter whether you're a Coldplay super fan or you're kind of not that interested in their music and you tend to give it a miss and tune out. It is worth checking out their NPR music tiny desk concert from January 2020 on YouTube. It's about 18 minutes long. If you're not familiar with NPR, that's National Public Radio in the US, so the equivalent of the ABC or the BBC, and they have a series of concerts called Tiny Desk Concerts where big artists come in and perform in the NPR office. This one has 19 million views and counting on YouTube, and I would account for probably about 10 of those views. That's how many times I've watched it and sat with others and said, you have to see this. It's, it's that good. Remember that if you like the podcast, please subscribe and share. Feel free to be in touch with me via the Facebook page, or you can email me at pinkdoorcultureclub at gmail.com. first segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called Spellbound, where we think about what makes this Coldplay concert so interesting and engaging. And the first thing to say, which is immediately obvious when you're watching it and listening to it, is the vocal arrangement. Because what's unusual about the concert and, and the music this time around is that it's just Chris Martin and uh, Johnny, who's the, the main guitarist in Coldplay, and they're joined by a nine-part gospel choir that accompany them. Um, sometimes they're, they're just doing the accompaniment. Sometimes they're actually doing the main singing. They're singing in place of Chris Martin, especially for the cover of Prince's 1999. It's the same choir that you'll hear in the Coldplay uh, album from 2019 called Everyday Life. Really rich and energetic voices. So there'll still be the, the keyboards there, the keys from Chris Martin and the guitar from Johnny, but the vocals dominate and the guitar is really minimal, almost percussive uh, in, in, its, um, in, in its music in this particular concert. And Chris Martin says, in a very real way, the choir have airbrushed our songs to make them sound better than they really are. <laughs> <clears throat> which I think is is true and um, yeah, a pretty honest account of, of why this uh, concert is so good. The, the, the voices are just so great. There's so many of them and they've been arranged so well um, that it, it makes it a really uh, rich experience. The second thing I think is the scale and tone of the concert. And this is kind of true for any Tiny Desk concert, you know, by its very nature, it's getting big bands and artists <clears throat> to play something that's pretty small. But Coldplay are like very much a stadium band with lots of commercial success. 
Um, here's a quote from, from the Pitchfork magazine, uh, which says, No matter the styles they chased, Coldplay have never, has never escaped their uplifting, impassioned sound suited for stadium arena shows. I don't think Pitchfork really liked their uplifting, impassioned sound. <laughs> um, but it's true, right? This is like a massive stadium band. They have high production values when it comes to their concerts um, I saw a great clip of of one of their tours, and I think I read about it as well, where they had gotten wristbands for all their um, all the audience members, and they flash in light with in, they flash in time with um, different songs and light up the whole stadium, make it look amazing. So that's kind of what they've gotten used to. Whereas this is very casual, very relaxed, very informal. The musicians are all in very close proximity to each other. And also to the audience, um, you know, which again is a key to sort of the overall tiny desk format. And Chris and Johnny and the choir, they just seem to be having like a lot of fun with each other and the audience is is feeding off that. And it means that when you watch it, you feed off that as well. Like it's hard not to smile when when you're watching this because of all those vocals that we spoke about before, but also just because the it's just a fun kind of scale and a fun kind of tone that's being presented and also I think a very British sensibility compared with some other guests uh, who come on who seem to be taking themselves too seriously so it could be just because I'm Australian and I kind of relate to that self-effacing British sensibility but yeah it's hard not to like Chris Martin and how seemingly humble and self-effacing he is whether he is in real life real life or not I don't know but he, he definitely um, comes across as pretty humble and charming, um, which, yeah, makes for, makes for a good show. And then lastly, the song selection is, is fun and, and makes for a good show as well. So they've got two songs in there off the Everyday Life album, Cry, 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 which is a pretty uplifting song about sticking by someone even when it's difficult. Uh, Champion of the World is another one which is about persevering in the face of difficulty and they've got the title track from Viva La Vida sort of a melancholy reflection on reversal of fortunes Um, and sandwiched in the middle there is 1999 by Prince which is really um, celebrating celebrating the moment so overall it's classic Coldplay very positive, very affirming very hopeful, there's a thread of kind of recognizing that things don't last forever and very warm and and vivid when combined with the vocal arrangement that we spoke about before. The second segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called Rear Window and the idea is to look more closely and think more deeply about some of the things emerging from this Tiny Desk concert. Not that we want to assume there's too much depth and meaning <laughs> to the concert, but, you know, here's some things that it sparked me to, to be thinking about. And the first one is less is more. Like one way to make a big impact through art is through things being bigger and more extravagant and louder. So I think in film you see that with Michael Bay films where it's just like how much more crazy could this action get or the fast and the furious how could we get the cars you know 
jumping off bridges, with people jumping out of those cars into tanks, etc. Or I watched the the Bollywood film RRR um, recently, and that's kind of like the Bollywood uh, take on on a Michael Bay kind of maximalist film, a, a better or more interesting one because I'm not as familiar with Bollywood. Um, but even in music, you know, plenty of uh, music that just seeks to layer up more and more sounds, more and more samples to make an impact, um, or stadium concerts where you know more more lights, more color, more novelty from Coldplay or Bruno Mars or Beyonce. You know, it's about spectacle, right? So it's got to be bigger and better than last time and trying to break new ground in that way. But I think fewer elements can be another way to achieve focus and cut through and have an emotional impact. So, I mean, Bob Dylan's songs are really simple and straightforward and the same is true for Joni Mitchell. Like I, I really love the Blue Album and so many of those songs are just her and the guitar, that's it simple storytelling, Uh, a song like Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. There's some great versions of that you can watch online where it's just vocals and guitar, very straightforward, but so emotive as a result of that. Or um, Paul Kelly, there's a song from his debut album, the song's called Blues for Skip, which is really evocative through having very, very little, very, it's just his, um, his lyrics, the guitar, and I think the harmonica as well. Um, and then you see that on albums like unplugged albums, you know, Nirvana has a famous unplugged album. Eric Clapton has a famous unplugged album. Lauren Hill has a famous unplugged album. There's something we like about actually hearing the artist go back to the basics and something they seem to enjoy about it as well. Um, there's less getting in the way and it's it's a much more simple and pure experience in, in some ways. I think you see the same thing in, in visual art and design, you know, the use of negative space and allowing allowing some emptiness, not having to fill everything. Or in theatre and movies, the use of silence, um, the use of space rather than filling the screen or the stage. And even in stadium concerts, big stadium concerts, when I saw Bruno Mars in concert, most of the show was, you know, big and bright. But he had a moment where he told the band to go and have a break and then he stayed on stage and he just played the guitar. He had like one laser light going through some fog and he just stood there and did like a medley of ballads. And it was like a really powerful moment in the concert because like it was a nice contrast to what else was going on. Um, And it also just let you focus in a little bit more on the meaning. I also saw Metallica in concert as they were making a bit of a stylistic change and they did an acoustic set um, where they had banjos and acoustic guitars kind of stripped back like that. Very unpopular with the crowd, (laughs) but actually really interesting and um, good to listen to. I I don't think it's that having fewer elements is easier though, because in some ways you're more laid bare as an artist. So in some ways all the movement and 
um, all of the different elements makes it easier to hide, but you're kind of stripped. When you're stripped back, you're naked and, and vulnerable in some ways, and you have to think harder about what you're doing and how you're presenting things. I remember reading this this quote that said, I would have written a shorter story, but I didn't have the time. That is, it takes time to refine things and strip them back. And, you know, in, in some ways that's a luxury and is hard work. Um, and I reckon that, that applies to art, but maybe also to life more generally. Like, you know, when you're communicating at work or you're communicating in the public sphere, there is a sense in which you can have greater impact by saying fewer things rather than always going going for more. So seeing this big stadium band do much less on a smaller scale just made me think about how artistically and maybe more generally in terms of communication, less is more. And the second uh, thing this concert made me think about was just the importance of enjoying the moment. This concert was recorded right on the eve of COVID lockdowns that swept around the world. So this was sort of late January 2020 and the world was in lockdown sort of Feb, March of that year. And no one knew that was about to happen, that no one knew about the difficulty or the restrictions or the stress that was about to hit the world. And it made me think about how we we never know that. You know, there's Chris Martin having a great time in New York City, which is about to become the center of a lot of activity for COVID with all the tents being put up in Central Park, etc. cetera. He, he didn't know, they didn't know, and we don't know. We don't know when a crisis is about to strike, whether it's a macro crisis like that or a micro crisis in our personal life. It could be uh, a long way off uh, or like in this video, it could just be a few weeks away, but you w- you wouldn't know. And so taking the time to to reflect on what matters and the purpose of life rather than waiting till it's too late and always deferring that was something that I was thinking about. Um, how would you live if you, you knew that you didn't have much time? What would you focus on and, and um, how would that change your priorities? And also the value of just being present in the moment. Like these guys are having a great time in this this concert. They're obviously enjoying it. The audience is enjoying it, as I've said, and you're enjoying it as you watch it. And it, it's it just reminded me, like it's it's um, it's important not to ignore the good and important things, like relationships and music and art that are often all around us, that or, or they're available to us to invest in every day but we get lost in the busyness of daily life. We stop reflecting on what really matters, stop investing in those things. And so post COVID for me, like it's been really good to spend a lot of time doing karaoke with people because that has like, I'm not a very good singer at all, but it's a great way of having fun with people doing something more than just having music on in the background. There's a little bit of performance. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a sense of us enjoying it together and celebrating together, which I think has been good to capture and stick with post-COVID rather than letting that fade away. And the other thing I've been doing is a lot of snorkeling, getting out into the ocean, getting outside, things I couldn't do when I was stuck in COVID. And the temptation is always to say, I'm too tired, I'm too busy. But I think watching this concert and reflecting and remembering that there can be a crisis just around the corner is good inspiration to stick with those things and and not give up on them and not let that that sense of 
the value of the moment fade off into the distance. final segment of Pink Door Culture Club is called The Man Who Knew Too Much, where I just list off some of uh, the interesting trivia that I came across as I prepared for the episodes, uh, this episode. Coldplay were once called the most insufferable band of the decade in an article from the New York Times. <laughs> Again, that's not a surprise. I don't think they're the, the favourite kind of band of critics, which is why this this concert was such an enjoyable, you know, break and surprise for me. I, I, I found it really interesting. Uh, it's interesting to know that the band operates in a democratic way. So not one, there's not a member who earns more than the others or a kind of partnership where two people get some greater, better deal than the other. So all the profits and proceeds are shared equally among uh, the members. Uh, Brian Eno, um, helped produce uh, their album Milo Xloto. I'm not sure exactly how to say that, but that album. And at one point suggested a hypnotist visit the studio, which the band ag- agreed to. So they were hypnotized and then tried, you know, writing and performing. And apparently they reckon it didn't do much for them, so they didn't persist, um, but they gave it a go. Maybe like the Manchurian Candidate, they're still stuck in that hypnosis, you know, and all of their music's been influenced since then, but they just don't realise it uh, until they, they snap out of it. And then two things about uh, Chris Martin. One, he's ambidextrous and can play the guitar using um, either hand to, to, to um, play the chords or to strum. And once tra- he once travelled to Coldplay, a Coldplay concert uh, at the O2 Arena in the UK by the Tube. He was surrounded by all sorts of Cold, Coldplay fans, but nobody recognised him, so he's able to go incognito. Okay, so we're at the end of this episode of Pink Door Culture Club. Make sure you go to YouTube, you look up this concert, you check it out at least once, um, play it really loud. It's lots of fun. Remember that I'm going to publish the season's recommendations ahead of time, and we're nearing the end of this season, so the recommendations for next season will go up shortly as well. You'll be able to find those at pinkdoorcultureclub.com or on the Pink Door Culture Club Facebook page. You can be in touch with me via that Facebook page, or you can email me at pinkdoorcultureclub at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 